Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. The fourth chapter, we're going to read three verses, the last three verses of chapter four. Reading from the King James Version, these particular verses I think are fairly easily understood from the King James, so we'll stick to the King James. If you have another translation, uh, go right ahead and follow along as we read together. I'll be reading now, beginning at verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, Let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us unite together in prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you that we have a place to which we can come as your children to fellowship together and to praise your name, to serve you. We thank you for the presence of your spirit in our midst that we have felt this day. The joy that we see in the hearts and lives of others about us, because our Father, it is the same joy that we have in our own heart, our love and our devotion to Jesus Christ our Savior. We thank you for everyone present this morning. We pray, our Father, that the desires of our heart will be met at your throne today, and the desires of your heart will become reality in our lives. Take us into your care and speak to us from your word, for we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to continue again tonight from the book of Hebrews, and next Sunday, and then we'll take a break and and uh, begin dealing with the Christmas theme. As you, most of you know, we have been preaching several sermons from the book of Hebrews over the past few weeks. I'm going to continue this morning again tonight. We've found so far in our study of Hebrews that the writer is telling us that Jesus is superior to Moses, He's superior to the angels, to all the other prophets. And there is an urgency that we find in his writing, an urgency that a person become a Christian, become saved. We're talking a little bit about that in the Sunday school class this morning, as to why people do not accept the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to turn the question around a bit now and ask 
asked this question. The question is, why did you accept Christ? Why did you? And I'm sure we would come up with many answers. But probably the most popular answer that has been formulated now in the minds of most of us, I hope you have your reason formulated as to why you became a Christian. Many answers, if you would give them aloud, would be because I did not want to go to hell. Would that not be true? But that has been formulated in, in many minds, and that's a good reason. That is a good reason as to why we're Christian, because we don't want to go to hell. I suppose we might say that this is a negative reason. We preachers have a tendency sometimes to preach gloom and doom. We preach with the attitude that if you don't become saved, you will be lost. If you do not accept Christ, you will go to hell. And there's nothing wrong with that. Years ago, there used to be lots of preachers, and there still are some, who are the fire and brimstone type preachers. And sometimes this attitude or this method of preaching is effective in that sometimes people are scared into making a decision. But I want to suggest to you this morning there are positive reasons for becoming a Christian. There's something good that we can gather from being Christian today. We don't have to wait until we die and go to the life beyond to determine that we are going to receive benefit from having accepted Christ. So I think we shall this morning look at the positive side of being a Christian. And we can sum it up perhaps in the words that Jesus spoke when he said, Ye shall have life and have it more abundantly. I think there's something good from being a Christian today. There is a reason for being saved now that benefits our life. And we'll see some of these things as we go along. In the verses that we read, we describe, or find described here, a person that is called the great high priest. We soon discover that this person called the great high priest is Jesus Christ. Before we can understand his function in being called the high priest, we need to understand the mechanism of the Hebrew church, the temple. They didn't have what was called a church in that day. You may remember from your Sunday school studies that there were four portions to the temple. There was a court surrounding the temple that was called the Court of the Gentiles, and that is anybody who wanted could come into that particular section on the outskirts of the temple. And then there was another court inside that to which women could come. 
Back in those days, women didn't come into what we would now call the sanctuary. You would stay back out in the vestibule, all you women going back out there, just us men who are supposed to be in here. That's the way they did it. But, this section here, where we are all congregated, would be called the holy place. Where people came to a position uh, uh, to worship. It was very holy, very uh, reverent in this particular section. But across the front was a heavy veil. Some say that that veil was four inches thick. And behind this tremendous veil was a place called the Holy of Holies. Nobody went in there except the high priest, and he did it only one time a year. That veil hung there before the congregation continually, but it was off bounds. Nobody went back there until the Day of Atonement came, in which the high priest would go through a very elaborate ceremony and process of cleansing himself so that he was sinless as near as possible, that he was physically, morally, and spiritually clean. And then he would go with fear and trembling behind that huge curtain where the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat were which represented the presence of God. That's where God was in that building. And that high priest would go in there one time a year and he would there offer a sacrifice for the sins of all the people that were out here. He never sat down back there. He stood the entire time. It was not a place to rest. He stood continually, and on his robe were little bells. The people out here were listening very, very intensely to what was taking place behind the veil. And that priest wore those bells out of fear that he might not be acceptable to God to perform this sacrifice for the sins of the people and God would strike him dead. And if the bells quit tingling, they knew that God had not accepted him, that he was not pure, not qualified to perform this ceremony, and he would be dead. And they would, with the shepherd's crook, reach under the uh, veil and grab hold of the body to pull it out. The scripture says that Jesus is the great high priest who passed into the heavens. And we can think in terms of he is passing not into the atmosphere, not into outer space, but into the presence of God giving us the parallel of what Jesus did for us, is that what the high priest did for the people back in the Jewish days. He passed into the heavens. But he did something differently than the high priest did. He offered the sacrifice, yes. He offered his own life, yes. 
But when he got into the Holy of Holies, he didn't stand in fear and trembling and have bells on his garments for fear that God would not accept him. He went boldly into the presence of God and he sat down because he was fully and completely accepted by God. The writer tells us in the last phrase of that 14th verse, let us hold fast our profession. Hold fast. Sometimes we don't hold too fast. We waver. We sway. We are swayed by popular opinion. We are very Christian when we are in the midst of Christian people. But are we as Christian when we are in the midst of those who are not Christian? Are we swayed by the attitudes of the public or by our association with other people? He is saying that we are to, without question, hold on to that which we have professed. What we have professed is Jesus who is the Son of God, the High Priest. Now if you will notice, in some, most times we read over so quickly that we don't pay attention, he is called, our High Priest is named, Jesus, the Son of God. I want you to notice there are two different things stated about him. Jesus is a human name. There are lots of people in the world called Jesus. Go down to South America and that's a common first name. He was called Jesus to identify himself with mankind. But he also goes on to say that he is divine, that is he's the son of God, who assumes the, the human relationship, who becomes human and takes the human body and takes a human name. I'm glad he was human. You know why? Had the Lord not come down and come into this world in a human body, when I come to my time of need, I might say, but Lord, you don't understand because you never experienced it. But you know I can't say that? Because he does understand. He did become human. And he did experience all the things that I experience. Whenever you and I want to get off our heart, off our chest as we say, some problem that we have and we want to talk, Oh, how we need to talk. We start looking for somebody to whom we can talk who will understand. Don't go, you won't, I don't, go to anybody who apparently will not understand. And you know this is one of the greatest problems that we face is finding somebody who will understand us. Most people don't understand us. 
And most people, therefore, would be very harsh and cruel to us because they cannot comprehend from where we're coming. But Jesus can comprehend it. Why? Because he's been there. I remember well the scripture of Jesus going to the tomb of Lazarus with his two sisters after the man had been dead for three days. Jesus stood at that tomb and he wept. He was touched with the problems of facing death. I remember how he went out, as the scripture says, to the Garden of Gethsemane just before his crucifixion. And there he spent a night in prayer. And what was he doing? He was praying earnestly and so earnest was he in prayer that his, he sweat blood as he faced the agonies and the concerns that he was about to face himself. Every circumstance that you and I face, we can find in him somebody who knows and understands. Are you afraid this morning? Do you have something facing you that you don't want to face and you're absolutely afraid? I suspect that there are many people in this congregation who are scared today of something that you're going to have to face. Some of you are going to the doctor. You don't know what the outcome is going to be and you're afraid. Jesus understands what it's like to be afraid. Some of you are having feelings of being hurt. Somebody hurt you. Sometimes those hurts are intentional. Sometimes those hurts are unintentional, but somebody hurt you. Listen, you've never been hurt like Jesus Christ was hurt by people. He knows what it's like. Some of us in this congregation have been rejected, turned down, denied what we wanted. We feel hurt, and disturbed, and humiliated because nobody wants to be rejected. But Jesus was rejected by his own people. Some of you are facing disappointments some are facing frustrations. Some have had sharp words spoken that have cut hard right down to the depths of the heart. And it's not easy to take those things when somebody uses the most powerful force at our command and cuts us deep. But we do it to each other. We cut each other up in little pieces with the words that we speak. It tears us apart. But Jesus was blasphemed by his people and by us today. Some of us have been criticized, ridiculed, made fun of, laughed at. All the other things that we can experience. And when we are experiencing those things, remember there's somebody who can comprehend what we're going through with. We ought to be able to comprehend each other's problems. 
When you have fears and distresses and concerns and disappointments, there ought to be somebody in this congregation that you can relate to. And spill it out. But listen, there's one person that we can go to, and his name is Jesus, who can understand and comprehend it fully. And he's not going to tear you down. He's not going to say you ought not to have done that. He's going to accept your confession. Say, I forgive you. Then he will add to it. Don't do it anymore. Some people think God has no feelings. But listen, we know that God has feelings because we see those feelings in Jesus Christ as he relates to us. He's a sympathizing individual. There's a man by the name of, or was, I think he's dead now, by the name of Booth Tucker, who was an evangelist with the Salvation Army. On one occasion, he was preaching from the Salvation Army Auditorium in Chicago to a large congregation of people. And his subject was the sympathy of Jesus. And after the sermon was over, a man came out of the congregation up to Booth Tucker and said to him, if you had lost your wife, she was dead, and your children were coming around you, crowding around, crying for their mother, you wouldn't say what you said in the pulpit today, that Jesus sympathizes with us. It so happened that that very next week, the wife of Booth Tucker was killed in an accident. They brought her body into that very same auditorium to have the funeral. And Booth Tucker himself came up and took the pulpit. He looked at the body of his wife, and then he turned and said to the congregation, just a few days ago in this very auditorium, a man said to me, if you had lost your wife, you wouldn't preach about the sympathy of Jesus. He said, I don't know if that man is in this congregation today or not, but I want to tell him if he is, that I still preach that Jesus is in sympathy with our feelings and our hurts and our concerns. That man was in the congregation. He got up out of his pew during that very sermon. He came down to the front and he and Ruth Tucker kneeled at the casket of his wife. And the man accepted Christ. Because Jesus can be touched with our feelings. And he is. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 is a very important verse. If you don't have it memorized, you ought to mark it and consider it well. Because it points out something very important. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you, that means allow you, who will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able, 
but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Why do I read that verse? Because one of the things that we go through with, when we start saying God is not concerned about us, is that as I face my temptations in life and you face yours, it's as if God were out there ready and willing to latch on to us and punish us for doing wrong instead of helping us overcome our difficulties. All of us are tempted to do something that is sin. The scripture says that God will not permit us to be tempted beyond our capability to resist. But when we are faced with those things, he will make us a way to escape. Who makes the way to escape? We run on our own. No, not on your life. We run. We can escape because God makes the way. There is no excuse for us to yield to temptation. For God makes the way for us to escape. Why? Because he understands what temptation is. Jesus was tempted in every point like you and like I am tempted. Every point. We overlook that sometimes. Verse 15 of where our text is, We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. We use that term, I'm touched, sometimes very loosely. But let me tell you, when we mean it, what we're saying is, you got to me. You got to me. I'll tell you when you touch me, I, I mean to tell you, you got to me. You got where I really live. You got to my heart. You got to my soul. You really touched me. I became identified with you in your situation. That's what it means. Your emotions and my emotions became involved in the same situation. And that's what this verse means. Your situation got to God. It affected him. It touched him. And his emotion and yours became one. His feelings were affected. problem is we don't pursue to that point of allowing the Lord to get us through our infirmities and our problems. But let us never forget that we cannot say to Jesus, you don't understand, because he does. For he's already been there. We as human beings have difficulty relating if we have not had that experience. But let me tell you, when we've had the experience, we can relate. Those of you who have lost loved ones can relate to those who have lost loved ones. Those of you who have no job can relate to that person who has no job. 
Those of you who have been hungry understands what it means to hunger. Those of you who have been afraid can comprehend what fear is when it's expressed in somebody else. But if we haven't had those experiences, we don't relate too well. And we try to be judgmental in our attitude and saying, you ought not to have done that. You should have known better. Jesus never said those words. Why? Because He understands. And He'll guide us and help us through those times of difficulties. All right, let's go to the last point, which is in the last verse, the 16th verse. Because he is our high priest now, he can state what that 16th verse is. We can come boldly unto the throne of grace. Notice those words. The high priest went behind that huge veil, not boldly. He went behind that veil fearing, uneasy. The congregation out here was very uneasy as the priest went behind there because they weren't sure if God would accept him. Now he is saying, not only does the high priest go back there, but the whole congregation can go back there. And we can go boldly behind that veil. Where are we going? Into the presence of God. He has opened it up at the very moment of Jesus' crucifixion on the cross was the time of the sacrifice behind that huge veil. The very time that the sacrifice was going on, when the high priest was back there, Christ was hanging on the cross out on Calvary. Very moment. And the scripture tells us that when Jesus died on that cross, that veil was divided from the top to the bottom, split open, separated, and for the first time the people were able to see into where God was supposed to be. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, because he is our high priest who went into the presence of God and sat down at the right hand of God, we can come into the presence of God, into his very presence, boldly. What are you going to get when you get into the presence of God? What's going to be there waiting for us? And you'll find it in the word mercy. We may obtain mercy. And then he says, and find grace. We can obtain mercy and find grace. What is grace? You've heard it said many times that grace is the undeserved love of God. And that's exactly what it is. Grace is something that God gives to us that we don't deserve. And we can have it. We can come boldly into the presence of God and he'll give it to us. We don't have to fear the presence of God any longer. Those whom uh, Jesus has represented by his being the high priest, will never need fear going into the presence of God. When I was a boy, like most boys, I had a dog that I loved dearly. 
It was a shepherd. I have a memory of that dog in my mind as if he were still alive, and that's been gee, 40 years ago. More than 40. 45. But I remember him. Got him as a little puppy. And like any boy and his dog, we grew up together. But when he became an adult, my grandparents lived on a farm and had milk cows, and they needed a good farm dog that would go bring in the cows for milking time. Shep could do that. He was trained to do it. That was in his blood. And so the decision was made that Shep must go live with my grandparents in order that he could be useful to them in, in their chores. So I gave him up. We lived a mile away every day, nearly every day, and I think probably every day, the way I remember it now. Old Shep would try to come back home, see me. But he knew that he couldn't stay, but I would turn him around and make him go back because he was needed in my grandparents. So when he was within sight of the house, 100 yards or so, he saw me, he got down on his belly and he began to crawl toward me. Waiting for me to either bid him come or command him to go. Most of the time, I had to make him go back. But once in a while, I couldn't do that. And I reach out my arms and say, Come. You think he crawled anymore? You bet he did not. He was on his feet and running with all of his might to jump into my arms because he was bidden to come. That's what this verse is bidding us to do. We don't have to crawl into the presence of God. The scripture said, because of Jesus Christ, we can come boldly into his presence. Bounding in, rushing, and what are we going to get there? We're going to get mercy and grace from a father who loves us and won't turn us away. Won't send us back. Yes, it's salvation by grace. We've got it. That's why it's good to be saved now. That's the positive aspect of salvation. We're saved by grace to be able to have access to God. When we have our fears and our concerns and our distresses and disappointments, and all the other things that affect us daily. We don't have to worry about what God's going to say. And whether we have sinned or not sinned, we can come to Him and He'll forgive us and take us into His arms. We can come boldly into His presence. Shall we pray? 
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.